Hey guys, welcome. Uh, this is a special edition of the Funky Marketing Podcast. We decided to do something a little bit different. So far, it's been me and the guests. Today, I mean, we still have the guests. It's people from my team. Today, we have uh, Linda here. Uh, and we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a Q&A. We, we have some... Um, we have some questions that we gather from uh, from the rest of the team, from the people uh, outside of the team, for some from some clients. So we're gonna go through them, and uh, I'm gonna answer some of them. Linda's gonna join me uh, if she wants to. So uh, let's let's go ahead uh, and uh, and do this. Um, okay, Linda, you're getting a lot of uh, compliments here, like. Linda, you are gorgeous, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, we have uh, some questions here. If you, um, what do you think? Should we start with the questions regarding uh, starting a, a new business? Well, let's start from the from the very beginning. Like Linda structured the questions into a few pillows. So uh, we're going to go and uh, jump into one by one. Okay, so we're going to and start with the first ones uh, it goes like this what does it take to run an agency what has been the most challenging when starting the agency uh it, that's that's always an interesting interesting question uh because uh it's not the same uh if you are starting the agency i don't know in the us in the europe in serbia or somewhere in, in africa or asia uh, it's always depends on uh, on the country, on the economics, on the like legal system over there. But um, let's try to get get away from that paperwork things and those other stuff. But the most uh, challenging thing was uh, actually the way we're gonna do it. Because uh, when starting the agency, uh, I didn't know actually if. Uh, if we're going to go into B2C, into B2B, or what we're going to do. I didn't have any ideas about B2B and about what we're doing now. But we jump into the market. We, we have seen uh, that there is a gap in B2B industry, the gap that needs to be filled. So we, we jumped in, and it became uh, our vision and our mission to kind of change, change the industry. And um, it's always interesting when you are starting. It wasn't like my idea to start the business. It just happened. Uh, I think it happens when you are when you are ready. So uh, it was kind of an interesting one because I I jumped into it uh, like I left the the job as director of operations in the agency where I worked at um, in the middle of my of preparation for my wedding without any money on the side without anything. So I started the agency without like some budget on the side that I'm going to invest in like next three months and I'm going to go. But I had this mindset of like, I'm going to build something that I'm going to work uh, on for the rest of my life. So I don't want to rush. And it's implemented a lot of, a lot of decisions. Like from the start, I started with another, with uh, one other guy, with a friend of mine and he uh, stopped being involved after like a month or two, because it wasn't, he wanted to do some things faster and uh, to get to the results faster, but I wanted to do it slower and to kind of build up the things the way it needs to be built if you are building long term. So uh, that's that. Were, those were kind of the, the struggles when, when we started. Mm -hmm. And what about paperwork or defining the services or starting your first promotion? How did you deal with that? 
Um, I mean, uh, like closing the first client was something that uh, that just came out of because um, I already had the build personal brand. Uh, I already had one in Serbia, but I had it. So uh, when I announced that I'm leaving the agency where I was working, there I'm starting funky marketing, people started getting into the conversations with me and we created the landing page with a, with a huge 32 or 34 pages document of, uh, on the strategy. Uh, so uh, that was kind of the, the start. Somebody downloaded the document uh, on the first, uh, like, first day or the first night when we announced it and the next day we got our first client. So it was simple for us because we were already present over there. People were following uh, my journey and everything. And uh, some of them just waited for the opportunity to work, to work with me. And when I announced that we are going with funky marketing, that we can start doing that, they just said, okay, we are in. Mm -hmm. Nice. And how do you organize your everyday life uh, to find some balance between different projects and different clients? It's kind of uh, kind of interesting uh, because I don't because I don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, when you are um, an entrepreneur, like your whole family is running a business with you. So this is the fact and something that affects the, the, the whole family. Like now I don't have here like big of a family, it's just me and my wife, but still like she can tell you the way I get distracted or when I get the new tool or something like that, she's playing the games and I'm playing with the tool, you know? So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good that, uh, that you have some, somebody who can, uh, like support you and uh, guide you through the through those stuff uh, but um, yeah I don't look as the work-life balance as something that uh, that exists you know it's all the same thing like uh, what do I mean by that uh, and I, I'm not a fan of the hustle culture uh, but uh, you know you meet some people uh, on the way to work on the work, people that you are spending with like at least eight hours per day. So they are part of your life. It's not like work and life stops when you start working, you know, it's still life and it affects the rest of your life a lot. That's why we are saying like, you should do what you love if you can, because it, it affects what you are doing, uh, your life and everything. And that's why I think we're, I'm trying to build something that, uh, that, um, affects my life in a better way because like the rest of my life affects the work it's not like the work affects the rest of my life you know so that's how how we should uh, we should see it and that's why i want uh, also you and the other guys from the team to do something outside of the work so you know that's why i'm asking you what kind of music do you listen do you go for a walk do you do something else outside of the work because these things doing these things will make you better uh, at your work you know when you are happy outside of the work Sure, definitely. You need to to spend some time outside your own. Yeah, like like going to the beach in in Spain or just exactly. here on the river in Serbia. Yeah, go for a walk or something that cleans your mind somehow. So, next question: What's the most challenging activity within the business world you've dealt with so far? 
Um, I think the most challenging one is um, like always what to do next. Because mm-hmm. uh, you never know that. And I start the week uh, and I don't know what's going to happen. We are building the foundation. And then at one moment, it just happens. Like three clients come in, in three days or, you know, or somebody leaves or, you know, and when the three clients are coming, you need to, to like extend the team. You need to always have that in mind. And it's always thinking, always optimizing, always adjusting. So that's uh, the biggest challenge is kind of getting into the, that mindset that you are ready for for whatever, I think. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's that's kind of the the biggest challenge, I think. Not not the actual work, but actually building building the company to be ready for whatever uh, comes next. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, how does empathy help you overcome not so much smooth situations with clients? Um, helps a lot. I mean, this is what we are doing. Actually, and empathy is in the basics of everything that that we do, uh, and not only in situation with clients. I mean, we are trying to change and make people uh, express more empathy and more compassion also that follows the empathy. So not only like um, getting into people's shoes, but also wearing the shoes, you know? So uh, when when we are doing that and thinking like that, it's kind of um, easy to get through all those kind of things because we, we are not pretending that we are somebody else. Not me, not not all of you from the team. Uh, we are trying to be who we are, and that's why I'm like posting a video of me dancing, or like you are posting some things that are related to other stuff that you are doing, like uh, the wine promotion thing or something else. So this is who we are, you know, and that's why like we are creating videos, not to show like the expertise inside the videos, but that people can actually get to know us the way we talk. The, the way we smile, you know, the personality and everything, because um, it's easier. We are all humans. And if we just go like and talk all these straight business things, it's not personal. And when it's not personal, it's not long term. So this is kind of the way I see it. Nice. Cool. That's the attitude, I think. So th- those are some nice questions uh, that I don't get uh, asked often. <laughs> So it was good to know that human part, no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, let's go with ads 101. Um, how do you decide uh, on the type of advertising you are going to run in terms of uh, social media channels, uh, the period of time, the budget you're going to spend, and the statistics you want to measure? That's kind of... Uh, those advertising questions are always interesting because... The answer is always, it depends. It depends on a client. It depends on the industry. It depends uh, on on a budget that you have. So um, it's kind of kind of interesting. But let me try to give to give an answer that um, that might be useful to the to the people. So uh, basically, before you get into the the advertising, you need to know what you want to do as a business. So it's more of a business question than it is advertising question. If you know what, what your goal is, uh, if you know, like, first, where you want to go, then what your goal is, then how you want to get there, then what's the budget. I mean, first the budget, then how you want to get there. So uh, that's how you set up the everything. 
and then inside that budget you see uh, you see what you what you want to do and how you you can get there um, Linda make sure we we go also through these questions that we are getting yeah. at the end uh, yeah so uh, that's kind of kind of where where I see it also it, it depends on a thing that uh, that we on the question that we get asked like um, the ideal client uh, and uh, you know, it all depends which platforms are they are using, where they are. Like, if we are in B two B, usually people are on LinkedIn. But uh, when we start talking with the companies, they they usually they are familiar that LinkedIn is a uh, is a uh, like the platform that is getting the attention right now. Okay, mm-hmm. but um, they don't realize that it's organic. It's not the advertising. And so they would like to go to the advertising part, but they, when they hear the prices, then they say, mm, maybe not, you know. But I mean, LinkedIn is okay for getting deep into targeting and getting like uh, account-based marketing and specific things when we are talking to the narrow niche, the narrow target group. On the other hand, like Facebook, Instagram are great, uh, great platforms for like distributing the content. And they are not sales first platforms. And a lot of people don't realize that, but they can use it to like um, amplify the content distribution. And on the other hand, we have PPC, which is like uh, targeting the people that already have the buying intent. So they are searching for, uh, I don't know, for the product or the service from for the solution for their problems and kind of getting getting there. So uh, and let's let's answer the question while we are here in the in the space. Uh, we got a question. Um, what was it, Linda? How, can you describe your ideal client? So our ideal clients are uh, fast-growing B two B companies, software-based companies, uh, mostly based in the US. So uh, those can be companies which are like uh, from ten to fifty people, but those can be also the companies that that grew very fast to like seven. Uh, 100 plus people. So we we are in both spaces. We started with those that have like up to 20 people. Then we extended to 70 people. And now we are working with with both companies, but all of them are fast growing um, software-based B2B companies. So this is kind of our space. A lot of them are getting like the seed B investment or seed A investment. So they are not uh, right at the start, but they are on the next point. So uh, in a way, how do I see it? They have like 10 inbound leads um, out of which they are closing like three. So this is where we come up. We see uh, who are those three, why they are converting, how they are different from the others. We we take that part and then we uh, put a fire on it and just help them accelerate the growth. Nice. So cheers from Nepal is here. Cheers from Spain and Serbia. Next question we have here in the chat. How do you map out your content marketing strategy? Where do you start? Uh, I won't get into, into that. Uh, maybe we can we can add later the, the whole article that we have on it. Uh, Sujan will, uh, will respond to you with a, with a link. It's better. Uh, so we'll we'll go from from there. Let's let's continue. What are the questions that we have next? Okay. Next question. Uh, what's the most interesting campaign you've ever run, and why? 
oh, that's an interesting one. Most of them are B2C, probably, but um, there were all kind of interesting ones. Let me see uh, what can I talk about? Because uh, there, there are some of them that I cannot talk about. Yeah, but there was one which was really interesting uh, and it was uh, for when I was working in different agencies, so uh, as their employee, as director of operations over there, uh, so it was the campaign for the for the brand called Curaprox, which is one of the most famous brands when it comes to the toothbrushes and uh, toothpaste and you know those kind of things. And we did a, a lead generation campaign to help them uh, gather leads, but not only to gather uh, like MQLs, but to also qualify them. Uh, and it was kind of, um, yeah, we will, we will kind of a giveaway. We were giving, I don't know, like 20 toothbrushes and some toothpaste, something like that. And uh, the conditions of entering the, the giveaway was to answer a few questions. One was like, where did they heard about the brand? Like, the um, what is their favorite product? And like, there was one that was specifically interested, uh, interesting. And it is like, what would happen if uh, the brand stopped existing tomorrow? Okay. So for that, we got all kind of answer. We got poems. We got people writing, I don't know, super nice things because it's a brand that people use daily and they are really attached to it. So in that way, um, they get emotional, you know, and uh, and we got some really good answers. And just based on that, uh, and based on like comparing the answers, see what pops up. Basically, we had the content uh, for the social media for the whole year, just based on that giveaway. And uh, I think we got uh, like eleven thousand leads, qualified leads out of the out of that campaign. And what was interesting because like there are some. Um, toothbrushes that are specifically for the people who have like gaps uh, beneath the the teeth, you know, interdental ones. So we couldn't just ask people, do they have some spaces between the teeth, right? So we needed to do something else. So we asked them if they are using tooth sticks. And if they are, then we know what is the product that they need. You know, so those kind of things uh, are always good to, to be added there, but a lot of interactions, a lot of emotions connected to this campaign. So that's why it was one of my favorite ones. Oh, nice. And uh, what do results tell you regarding paid advertising and its potential? Uh, can you can you repeat that again? Um, what do results of the campaigns tell you regarding paid advertising and the potential it has? Ah, you 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 mean the results? Hmm. Um, hmm. Um, okay. So you mean by what can we predict that's gonna happen based on how the the ads are performing overall, like in general? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Facebook still remains the number one channel, uh, and the platform that is. Um, very much underestimated uh, and it can bring so much uh, and think it will remain that way. Um, if you want immediate results, PPC and Google are still the, the first place to go. 
And if you want to do the narrow targeting, I think LinkedIn is the best way to go. So I don't think anything is uh, going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even the the like news advertising or paper or those kind of things, print media. Um, well, maybe print media now when we have COVID and everything, yes, in a way, but it's um, it's just depending on how much time and how much uh, budget you have, you know? That's how you determine what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We have another question in the chat. Um, in the future, how do you think that the best skills will work more? What do you mean, Sagwat? I don't get the question. Really? Uh, Formulate it, please. Yeah, maybe, maybe, guys, uh, you can um, like formulate it a little bit different. So, uh, yeah. We have another question. How do you deal with the setbacks when your marketing campaign does not go uh, your way? Um, I mean, it doesn't happen. Why it doesn't happen? Because uh, right from the start, we use uh 20 or 30 percent of the budget maybe even 50 percent sometimes to test things out in the first like few days so we test the the copy we test the visuals we test or the video we test the landing page we test if the i don't know if you have the email sequence after that if it's working and so we check everything and we we use that budget to kind of test it out and optimize and then when we run it it doesn't stop it's just goes and when you are in that for a, for a while then you uh, basically know things you know because you have experience so you have seen how things are working and you can adjust things even before before you start so yeah that's the, that's the answer nice next question um how do you organize a linkedin campaign ads campaign I would skip this one because I don't. It's too. It's too general. How do we organize a LinkedIn ads campaign? I mean, this is how we start any campaign. So we kind of talked about it uh, answering the previous question. Uh, so yeah, I would. Uh, I won't, wouldn't go into into that. Okay, so let's go with another batch of questions. Um, what type of graphic support do you think it's important to use in social media and why? Mm, that's that's an interesting one uh, because um, visual support is, uh, is very much um, maybe even the first thing people people are seeing uh, when when they go with uh, I mean when they see your brand everywhere. You know, so visual parts, design, and everything, and I think it matters a lot. If we are talking with social media about social media, I think one thing that we are doing and um, they can help others is we don't go with some pictures that are I don't know, like stock photos or something like that. But we don't go um, with some that are I don't know that are not quality ones. So we kind of. Uh, do the best of both worlds and what do i mean by that if we have a text that will go on a on a visual we tend to keep the um, the visual the design that supports the text so if we said like um we are going to talk about um i don't know like uh, the, the, the construction industry today 
So we're gonna and this is uh talk about construction in the industry is on the visual. So uh in the backwards design is gonna be all about um emphasizing the text. So something that uh, that uh, shows the construction industry, then when we look at the visuals, it can it can lead us towards that. And uh, I think it's it's important to to know those things and know those patterns patterns and get there, not to get just any photo or something that we use just because it feels nice. It needs to have psychology behind it and it needs to have like deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. I think this is related to the next question. Um, how do you align graphic design, messaging and copy for each client? Yeah, it's, it's very much aligned because like we need to have like branding and brand guidelines before we start creating the visuals. So it comes not only to the to the colors, to the logo and everything, but also it relates to um, to the messaging. Let's what's our tagline, what's our vision, mission, and how do we communicate? Like what's the tone in the visuals? Uh, and, you know, it's not a separate part, the copy, the visuals, the messaging, the branding, it's all part of a bigger piece. And it's, uh, it's how others are seeing our companies and how we want them to see it. No. Mm -hmm. So how do we tell our story? We have that question in chat. Which skills will effective will be effective to learn in the future? I guess yeah. in regarding marketing industry in general. How to communicate and how to uh, understand people. That's it, basically. Um, tech can change, technology can change, but the ability to communicate and ability to understand psychology behind our actions, that won't go away ever. So everything's changing, people are changing. And if we learn how to use uh, the patterns that we have, that's it. That's why I always like to say that uh, to learn those things, you need to go back to the to some of the old school marketing and business books and old psychology books. So, and go and learn those patterns. I mean, those are the most important books that you need to read, not the one they are talking about how to do marketing today. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, uh, so uh, soft skills. Basically. <laughs> um, video. Is, is video becoming the most powerful graphic tool for social media? And what's the real impact on B2B platforms such as LinkedIn? Um, yeah, I think definitely uh, video is becoming one of the most powerful um, like types of content. Let's call it like that. Uh, why? Because it gives you a lot. It uh, it gives you like visual representation presentation or of some something or of someone. It gives you the tone. It gives you um, like it explains a lot more than just a photo or just a text. And that's why video is kind of essential. And uh, we are getting into the times where uh, audio is really important. So uh, in that way, we we can get the audio out of the video, you know, as we're going to do with, with this, uh, with these specific episodes of the Funky Marketing Podcast. So uh, in that way, I think, yeah, and video is uh, going in some ways that we couldn't even predict. Like uh, just a few years ago, people didn't want to send like a short video as like uh, 
sending to a client. Hey, how are you? I just wanted to remind you that we are having a meeting in two days and this is what we're going to talk about. It was too much for the people. And imagine now we are spending days on Zoom. So something else needed to happen outside of business world that will um, affect the way we are changing. And the next thing will affect the way we embrace AI and those kind of things, you know, because now we are getting into digital transformation because, because of COVID. And the next thing will affect the way we will embrace AI, robotics, and all those other things. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about the graphic humor. Mm, what's your opinion on memes and GIFs, for example? Uh, I love them. And uh, I, I laugh at all the people that aren't using it and say, like, for us, this is too, you know, this is too much. We are not that kind of a brand. And, you know, you may be aren't. But like on social media, this is the way we communicate and sure. you need to adapt to those things. So using emojis uh, or memes or GIFs doesn't mean that you are funny as a brand, but you can um, like hide being too salesy with using GIFs or you can use memes to explain certain situation in a better way. You know, so you can attract attention and really get into the point in your copy. But memes or GIFs will get the attention. And I really like them. I think they are great also for creating a company brand or a personal brand. Like uh, you can create your own GIFs. Nike was doing that. Uh, and, you know, like everybody is using GIFs, which, is, which are like Nike's GIFs. And uh, the brand awareness is going uh, to the roof. And, you know, those kind of things are always, always good. And I always, I mean, you, you know that we inside the team always encourage using GIFs and we are trying to change the way other companies are doing it by showing example on our uh, funky marketing LinkedIn page. Do you think uh, you can use GIFs and memes freely in the B2B industry? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, think we need them more because we need to show the human side because it's like technology. It's uh, software, it's coding. Uh, but if we include emojis, if we include, include feelings, if we include humanity, this will change the way we look at the brands, the way we interact with them. You know, because uh, let's let's be honest, if uh, a brand, company brand comments on your post on LinkedIn, it feels a little bit weird, right? Uh, but if, we, if they do it with a GIF, it kind of uh, makes it like, Ah, you know, like, oh, it's yeah. nice. Or like, good, that's cool. This brand mm -hmm. is cool. They are responding with gifts. They are actually friendly. They are responsive, you know, and it matters a lot. Mm -hmm. Nice. Next, but B2B. Why some B2B industries are so slow at entering in, into the digital era? Uh, I mean, I think we, we covered that in the, in the last question. Uh, because uh, because they don't need to. when they feel the need and something happens outside of it that will uh, stop them from doing what they are doing and getting the results, then they will move. So basically, that's it. Cool. Do you think outsourcing marketing can fit well in a company that has never used marketing properly? Um, that's kind of uh, kind of an interesting. An interesting topic. Uh, yes, it can definitely fit well, but uh, we work with a couple of companies that were, we were the first marketing agency. 
uh, and they were kind of um, they hesitated and was kind of were kind of scared because there are a lot of agencies and a lot of companies had really bad experience with agencies because like the most of the agencies are doing just basic stuff, posting on social media and doing basic advertising. And not getting into psychology, not getting into strategy, not getting into analytics, you know, uh, all other stuff that are out there. Marketing is like the fourth utility. Not even one agency can do it all. So um, based on that, they, they feel a little bit threatened. And what should they do? And then when I, when they start talking with, with those agencies, like all of them have yearly contract in mind. And if you are just um, doing it for the first time, it's uh, scary for the company to commit to a yearly contract with the agency, you know, because they want to see it, they want to experience it. And then, okay, if it works, we can continue working together. But if we commit to a year and after a month, we see that it's not uh, how the agency said it would be, you know, so then they are like in between. And it it kind of raised the expectations, and uh, it's basically um, why we are going not from zero but from the deep minus when we are negotiating with companies, and that's why we are recording like these kind of videos, podcasts. That's why we are uh, we are talking about about you know about different things, uh, recording videos, uh, showing who we are, showing emotions, feelings, because we want to. Uh, set up the trust before we get into those kind of conversation before the discovery call ever happened or like we want to be the one that uh, companies are thinking about when they come to the point that they need marketing you know so okay the time has come for us to hire an agency or to hire somebody to help us with marketing uh who should we call aha uh-huh. linda nemanja funky marketing you know mm-hmm. that's how it works definitely and let's talk about the uh, demand generation. How do you explain demand generation to your clients in a simple way? Uh, yeah, that's those are always interesting, interesting questions. Because uh, like I usually don't, because I explain it in the in my posts. We all as a team talk about it a lot, and they come to us when they know that they need it. So I don't need to explain to them uh, on the call. But here's the way I explain uh, what do we do and how do we work. So basically, when we start working with, with companies, all of them have content on the website. Usually it's a good content, but adjusted for the SEO, not for the people, not for distribution. So we jump in and if they have the content, we use that content to kind of create the post. We use those posts to uh, build a personal brand of the people from the team. So it's like, C-suits or management or sales or marketing, usually those are the people involved. Uh, and we help them build their brand. By building their brands, we build the company brand. And we do that by using the content that they have to kind of go over the pain points. Uh, so use the existing demand, but also polarize people to kind of uh, get into the, create the new demand and also get personalized. So we, we tied people to our stories. Uh, and on the other hand, on the on the company perspective, we use podcasts like this one to um, go in two directions. If the company isn't a company that maybe is just starting, 
they need to build the authority. Then we build, bring people who have the authority to kind of help the the host raise a little bit with them and become uh, familiar in in the industry. And then we uh, we call the people who are like our target group inside the companies we are going after. So uh, basically, what what we are doing, we are bringing them to talk about themselves for an hour. We ask them different questions, like how do they hire vendor, uh, different vendors? How do they fire them? Uh, how the, is the decision-making process going? Uh, we ask them about the whole, um, like, um, sales cycle, how everything is going. And basically, by doing that, we get the content which we can post then on YouTube as a long-form content, create a branding on LinkedIn. We can uh, distribute it over the podcast platform. We can then uh, use it also uh, to send it to the clients. So uh, actually the guests in in this way, uh, send it to the guests so they can distribute it further. Uh, we create three to five smaller pieces out of it where we target each step in the buyer's journey. And uh, we, we send the materials to them so they can share it. But at the same time, we are actually adding people from their company uh, with the personal brands involved in the strategy. So the visibility is bigger. And actually, this is how we start building the relationship. And by doing that, it, we are actually building the company brand by uh, building the brands of, uh, of our customers, future customers or the clients. And... So yeah, that's in a way. And if you want to go faster because the, the content needs time to start working, then we go and use advertising, Facebook and Instagram, like uh, news like articles, case studies, testimonials to, uh, to get the people to consume. Usually it's the decision makers and those that are will use the product. Let's say like, the product is Canva. So we need social media people who will use Canva. We target them. So it goes from, from two sides and we need them to, uh, to see if the right people are reacting on a channel level, if the right people are actually consuming the articles. And if they are, then we know that they will come back and uh, just like convert. But in any case, if you go even faster, then we, we can use retargeting and we know which articles they, are, they were uh, reading. So we can get them to the specific offers related to the industry, to the... I don't know, to the niche. And uh, if you want to go now, then we use just PPC. Nice. Good. Next question. Mm, how do you tell clients to focus on less but better qualified leads? Uh, that's always an interesting question. Well, we, we explain how the things are going. If we start uh, creating the marketing machine, then it means that they will get more qualified leads and less leads in general, but more qualified leads. And why do we need more qualified leads? We need them because when somebody who uh, who is ready to buy comes to the, to the website, they click the button and only when they click the button and say, I want to talk with sales, we get them to the sales. It means they are ready to buy. Uh, when this happens, uh, people in sales can actually close the deal. And because they are talking with the companies, with uh, with people that are ready to buy their products. So they are not wasting their time. Uh, if they are not wasting their time, we don't need like 
10 people in sales. We can use just one or two that are experienced and they know how to close the sale. Um, this means also that we don't have unexperienced people. So every customer that has experience with somebody from sales will get the best possible customer experience, right? And if that is the question, if those people are ready, we can uh, people from sales can actually get the bigger deals and uh, we can grow the revenue. But uh, in a way, if this happens, like sales won't waste time on talking to the hundreds of uh, leads, MQLs, you know, and uh, they can go and do the outbound. Like in that way, marketing can actually do marketing and sales can actually do do the sales. And in this way, marketing is actually helping sales. So that's how I see it. As it should be. Okay. Um, according to you, what are the three most important things to keep in mind before starting with the man generation? Oh, there are a lot of things, but um, I would say it's the same before you start actually with advertising. You need to know what you want and you need to know what your goal is and you need to know what assets do you have to get there. Okay, so this is the most important things and you need to know your target group. This is, I think, the most important thing. You need to know who your customers are. You need to know who your clients are uh, and you need to know everything about it. So you can get in their skin, like as we talked about, not only empathy, but also compassion. And when you know that, then it's the right step to get uh, to get somewhere. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I would say. OK, I think we are done with questions for today. I'm sure if someone wants to ask anything else. Yeah, let's wait a few minutes if we have questions. If not, like we'll do this next week next week again and uh, I want to uh, invite all the people to go uh, and find Funky Marketing Podcast on all the podcast streaming platforms but also on, uh, on YouTube go ahead and follow us there has been like 20 guests so far some of them really great and amazing individuals uh, and we'll keep mixing it up like the idea is to uh, go into little Q&A's then to get uh, other people who will be guests and add a little structure to the podcast, not to just have like me interviewing the guests, but also something like this. Uh, and possibly one of the one of the things that we will do uh, is kind of an entertainment show where we will analyze like the weekly happening on LinkedIn, in the Mangen world, or uh, anywhere else, whatever is interesting. And we're gonna do it also live on uh, live on LinkedIn and live. It will go on all podcast platforms. So kind of. That's the idea. If you have any idea or you have any feedback, feel free to uh, to it's send it to us. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, everything that we talked about here can be can be seen uh, online on our social media channels on our website. Uh, I would like you to go ahead and check it out and see if we are really uh, doing the things that we are talking about. So. Uh, challenge us in that way and uh, if we help you feel free to to share with others and uh, yeah uh, I think that's it for for this week what do you say Linda yeah I think uh, so far we are done and we are back next week with more questions yeah so what do we say at the end keep it funky guys keep it funky bye bye, -bye.